0: Like how you decide which sperm to use, the cold, hard truth of fertility, your reality of dating as a single mother who doesn't have a co parent to rely on for occasional childcare,
1: and what it's actually like
0: to parent as an SMC. This is the Mocha Single Mothers by Choice podcast. Hey, Pod. Welcome back for another, another exciting week of the Mocha SMC podcast. So this week, we chose to address a topic that frankly, We've been planning to talk about for a long time. Here we are, season four. It took us four seasons to get here. We're going to talk about biracial children, raising biracial children, and also how sperm choice plays out in racial identity for our children. And I think I really had to sit down and think about why it took me so long to want to address this topic because I kept avoiding it. And even though we talk in our community about the shortage of Black sperm, you know, this is a topic that we talk about on a regular basis, we kind of dance around the issue and the topic of raising biracial children, at least in the in the Black spaces, mm-hmm. in a way that is kind of like, you know, there's this big fat elephant in the room with a two pink tutu, and we just, <laughs> we don't talk about it enough. And I think for me, part of the reason why... I tend to avoid it when I can in SMC spaces, both the black SMC space and the larger mixed space, is I I am biracial black. I never I I shouldn't say I never, I don't wear my biracial identity on my shoulder typically, because for me, I moved through the world as a black woman. And I was raised by a white mom and a black dad. So in many ways, I also move through white spaces with the privilege of having, of having grown up in a very white space with a white parent. And so when I was looking for a donor, I, I knew for me, I could not choose a white donor just because knowing my ethnic background, I didn't want my kids to pop out looking white and for people to think I was the nanny. Mm-hmm. So I intentionally chose a biracial black donor so that my kids would have a very similar ethnic breakdown as me. And, and I, I, because I have had situations with my own mother where people have assumed that we are not related because of colorism, mm-hmm. and strangely, it never happened in the reverse. Like people, when I was out with my dad, people would always be like, "Oh, yeah, that makes sense. She must be his," mm-hmm. uh, which is strange. But here we are. So we want to we want to talk about this topic, and and I want to be mindful about where we both come to this topic from, like different places with intersections. So Aisha, tell me a little bit about what this topic means for you and, and how, what your thought thought process was as we were preparing for this episode.
1: So (laughs) I also have a certain degree of discomfort with my having to make certain choices for my donor. And I say that only because I didn't want to want to be seen as a sellout, and I do want my children to be firmly grounded in black spaces. And so for me, I my my ethnic background, I am daughter of a mom who comes from African descendants of slaves and biological father who I never knew is Jamaican. And so I come to this firmly rooted in in black. And Southern and Caribbean cultures, and so for me, it was really important. I had always envisioned you know having children who I could braid their hair, and you know we can do reports on Harriet Tubman and you know things like that because those are things that I grew up doing, so that was important to me, and so. When I sat down to choose a donor, obviously I wanted to um, work with a black donor because I had always envisioned having black children, black babies. And so I had to first overcome some of that. And I had to sit with the comments that, you know, well meaning family and friends would say, like, oh, you get to choose a donor, you get to choose a green eyed, you know, curly haired, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, for me, I was. I'm, I'm a real pensive person, you know, by nature. And so I really sat with each step of my SMC journey. And, you know, sperm choice, I made a, a sperm choice quickly. But I did sit quite a while with the things that people said that I could do with all of these options. And then I had to really um, decide what I realistically could do. Mm-hmm. And what felt most natural to me. And so when I found that there was not a Black donor that I wanted that had the criteria, I was looking for, you know, Black, I was looking for a particular height, I was looking for a clean health record, I was looking for a low to zero number of existing pregnancies because I naively thought that that would limit, you know, the (laughs) dating pool and stuff like that. And then I also wanted a donor who if we mixed our kids, I could braid my kid's hair and it would stay and I wouldn't have to use any barrettes. So just, you know, things like that really factored in. So when I could not find a black donor, I went back along the blacks, black brown spectrum. And I worked from the, the um, darkest shades and I didn't have to get too far into the, the lighter spectrum, but there is a spectrum. And I know I'm black enough, I'm brown enough that whatever shade of brown I mix with, my kids would, would come out brown. You know, mm-hmm. I know genetics works differently. <laughs> I, I roll the dice, but I, I in my view of the world, I have never seen two dark skinned people make a light baby. It yeah. just was not in my so- realm. I'm
0: curious. And this is something I actually, I just thought of that I think is, is probably very different for the SMC experience. So I think that as SMCs, because there's no co-parent there for people to look at, and there's no assumption of like, oh, you may have just fallen in love with this person outside of your race, right? I think it makes us feel Like we have to justify our choices because when we sit down and we pick a donor, we have to be, we are more conscious than, you know, going and dating someone or Mm -hmm. going and, you know, just hooking up with somebody and having Mm -hmm. an oops pregnancy. People know that we have actually intentionally done this. So I think that both questions from society and also potentially future questions from your kids, this is this is going to come up. So I think a lot of times an SMC might come into this and be like, well, you know, I think I can just say that I had all these other things going on, but I do think that there may come a day, especially if you choose a donor outside of your race where your kids might be asking you why you made that decision. Yeah. And what would you tell them, Aisha? Like, what would you tell your kids as to like the race question?
1: Well, I would I would have to take it all the way back. Look, when I entered womanhood, <laughs> you know, like at the beginning I, of the time
0: when the dinosaurs, in the of, <laughs> you know.
1: And you know, when I entered adulthood and I entered adult relationships and got married, I always envisioned myself having black babies. Mm-hmm. And that vision had not changed given all the options in the world. If a black man didn't exist, I'm looking for something that closely resembles me and my experience in the world. And so that's how I navigated it. Um, you know, for me, it was important to have little people who fit into Black spaces comfortably and were grounded in that. And I think that when I look at my kids, you know, I'm like, okay, you know, I rolled the dice and and I, I think I got it because, but there was a time when babies were tiny and they were not browning up and I'm just mm-hmm. like, Okay.
0: <laughs> you okay. like, need some sun, <laughs> uh, you
1: know, and it's like that first year for the melanin to kick in, I'm just like, whew, I don't know about this, you know, but it, it is a, a humorous part of the journey, you know, as well. But for me, I really wanted my kids to look like they, they matched me and I wanted I wanted them to be in alignment with the way I saw them, the way the world saw them and the way that they see themselves. So that was important to me because it's just a lot less messy that way.
0: So one of the things that comes up in at least the Mocha SMC space, and I think we, we hear this outside the Mocha SMC space as well and other SMC spaces. But the question of how do I teach my child about the other race if I use a donor outside of my race? How would you answer this, Aisha?
1: Para. (laughs) I hate to say I do a a slow, low eye roll when I hear that. And I'm just like, when has being something other than Black been the major issue? Now, I say that knowing that I'm coming from a, a totally Black perspective in the world. But let's face it, in many, many societies, the darker you are, the worse you're treated. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's just like, okay, overcoming lighter complexion is not going to be the thing that will cause you harm. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm And so I choose to, and this is this is interwoven into my parenting, is to we have little time and we have little resources. And I choose to focus on the things that will keep them safe and make them feel loved and whole. And so for me, that is making sure that they understand their blackness. They understand it in the context of America. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was making the world think it didn't exist. So you, you're valued. You're mm-hmm. a diamond. You're a gem. And the greatest trick America ever tried to pull was to make you feel that you were less than. So my job as a parent is to make sure you have all the diamonds and rubies and gold built into your soul so that when you roll out there and the world tries to come at you you've got mm-hmm. your armor you've got your <laughs> you've got your titanium on so that is what i focus on everything else if i do my job right they will have the tools to learn about the other ethnicities that make up their 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 makeup their racial identity however you want to pick that apart They will have the tools they need to do that. But my job is to make sure that the thing that could most harm them in this world, that they have a firm grasp on what it means and to recognize the signs of danger.
0: I love that. So I always tell people, let's make the assumption somebody chooses a white donor. Mm -hmm. (laughs) My response is society will affirm whiteness for you. Yeah. (laughs) You don't necessarily have to do that part. So at least in my home, I try to focus on affirming blackness. And I also try to make sure my kids understand that they get to be black. And I know that sounds strange to many people, but as a biracial person myself, I have, I remember being young and wondering if I could be black, right? Right. Like, can I, do I belong here? Will they accept me? And I think that something that, that honestly, neither of my parents prepared me for I just had to feel it myself was how it was to be in black spaces and how it wasn't to be in white spaces and also the feeling of I'm not sure I belong in either one of these places. Right. And because in either one of those places there's always going to be somebody who others you. Even within the black community they're like, "Oh, look at you. You have blue eyes. Like you're basically closer to whiteness." Yeah. And so for for the thing that I find tough as a mom is In many ways, you can't prepare your kids for how they will perceive the world and how the world will perceive them. Yeah, And so there are moments, uh, I'll give an example of this past summer when we were in Costa Rica. I actually loved it because I saw many different races. Probably, I would say half the camp was Black. And I saw my daughter, my oldest daughter, approaching the Black girls first because and and to me, as I was sitting back as a parent, I was like so proud because I was like, regardless of the fact that in many circles, she might she might be passing. I say passing in quotes because to me, like she looks like a little black girl, but mm-hmm. alas. So she walks up to the black girls and I could see I could see based on her body language that she was like waiting for the moment that she'd be rejected. Mm-hmm. And uh, they looked over at her little sister and her sister is not as passing. And I could just, it was like all of a sudden they were like, oh, come over here, girls, right? And it was so great because she, it was like the moment where she was like, oh, this is great. I finally feel like I fit where I felt like I belonged. And, and it's not that she didn't play with the white girls, right? She played with the white girls as well. But it was just, it was obvious to me that she feels like a black kid, but mm-hmm. she still has a little bit of a disconnect because people don't always perceive her that way. Mm-hmm. and I think my younger daughter will have a slightly different experience because of the way that she shows up in the world, mm-hmm. and I think that's that's probably something a lot of people don't realize they may have to deal with with their kids if they choose a donor outside their race, because if you've never had the experience of not fully feeling like you're accepted in any racial setting it's hard to it's i mean honestly i'm biracial and it's hard for me to help my kids navigate that
1: yeah and i think there is something to be said there because in, in almost all the conversations that come up in our space around race i'm like i'm raising black girls right mm-hmm. but there will be a time where my girls who are going to be critical thinkers are going to ask questions they're going to look at the donor profile and be like hmm, what's all this other stuff and then they're going <laughs> yeah. to do some research right so i fully and grounding them in Blackness with the understanding that my time to lay that foundation is limited because ultimately they're going to decide how they want to identify, right? The spaces that they feel comfortable, what they, they choose to, to spotlight and highlight and all that other stuff that comes with being an individual you know, person in the world. And so I, you know, and even given if they identify as Black women, the way that they physically present is going to give them a different experience in the world than I have, right? And Mm -hmm. so there's going to be a point where I'm gonna have a proximal relationship to them and be able to provide advice, but it is not fully with the understanding of the experience that they will have as biracial children because they are biracial children, right? They're black biracial children. Mm But, and I'm not going to understand that biracial part of it. I'm not going to understand mm-hmm. when they start dating and men want to pick apart, like, where did, where did your hair come from? Mm-hmm. You know, you got a bit of a caramel milky complexion. What are you mixed with? When she, when, when they get those questions, mm-hmm. you know, I have never had that experience. People will look at me and assume, oh, you you're mixed with Caribbean.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. You hit that nail on the head. Right, but I won't have people picking apart my features, mm-hmm. right, and saying this is black. You know that is other. You know mm-hmm. I won't have to have those uncomfortable conversations where it's just like, yeah, I'm just me, just me.
0: I I think that one thing parents should think about is be careful not to other your own kid. And I see this happen so many times, uh, be it black moms or white moms and and i will say i will i will explain how it shows up in the black community so we will talk about a, a donor outside of your race and the black mom will go out of her way to over explain all of the racial parts of their child that is not black mm-hmm. and from the perspective of a of a a very black presenting biracial person mm-hmm. i hate when people do this mm-hmm. because to me it's like I give the analogy of of if you if you have a bus full of biracial black and black people and it gets stopped you get stopped by the police and the police are like all you black people get out of the car the biracial people are not going to be like well actually 43% of me is european they're going to mm-hmm. get up and they're going to get out because they're going to understand that the police officer was also talking about them mm-hmm. and if they don't understand that they might get shot <laughs> so it's like i I get irritated with that because I think when moms do that, it, it takes away, I think it takes away from, from some of, from, from their kid feeling like they belong. Mm -hmm. And I think it's actually less harmful to be affirming of their blackness and be like, you get to be a black person because in America, it you're black. Mm -hmm. And so you showing up at college, telling people, oh, well, 43% of me is white in some strange attempt to be white adjacent is going to be harmful for both you and everyone around you. So I would caution moms against doing that.
1: I will tell you there's something that I do intentionally and I think tied to race in Yeah, globally tied to race are also other standards of beauty. All of it is other standards of beauty, other standards of attractiveness that are overlaid on on women's experience in the world. And so what I did probably from the time my oldest was two was I started clamping down on people commenting on my child's physical attributes, whether it's skin color, Mm -hmm. hair texture, eye shape physical features. She's tall. So is she going to play basketball? I really shut that down because that opens the door for a whole bunch of Mm -hmm. other conversations that build into the self-esteem of a person. And so in my house, the way I am agnostic, I think of othering is that I don't really talk about Any of that stuff, like my daughter will bring it up like mommy, something about like DNA and something about long legs and things like that. It comes from her. And so then I am Mm -hmm. addressing her specific questions and I'm not feeding or Mm -hmm. trans, you know, transcribing any of my angst and any of my stuff onto her. Everything is coming from her. The question she will ask comes from her. I create the space for her to ask those questions, but I really try to stay away from any of the physical characteristics and physical features. And yeah, Mm -hmm. so I don't even have to have the conversations of othering. She tries to other her sister.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So do you do people ever ask what race the donor was when they see your kids? I have not
1: gotten that question directly, and and to the extent since I've been parenting, I rarely get that question. I've had probably three people bring mm-hmm. it up outside of my family unit who's just like, "Oh, she's so cute, she's so pretty. Look at there, blah blah blah, whatever." Yeah. But I've had three people bring it up. One was a guy that I was dating who erroneously assumed that I needed (laughs) him to make my family seem intact because he made the comment like, there's no way we could be out the three of us, and people would assume she's my daughter.
0: It's like, dude, why would I want people to assume that she's your daughter? Like exactly like we don't
1: I I don't need that cover of respectability, right? For, For I'm not trying to pass my kid off as anything other than my kid. Right. So that was Mm. one instance where it dealt more so with where he was experiencing his his racialized identity and not so much. Mm. But people open themselves up when they're like, oh, you use a sperm donor, you went to a bank. And then there you comes in the assumptions and what Mm. have you. And then I got it from a friend of mine who is we're both parenting kids. They play together, Mm. but she's married to a white Italian And so the way that she asked me essentially about race was like, what products do you use on your daughter's hair for her hair Mm. texture? And it's just like, oh, okay. I I see what you're getting at. But I also think that she has a friend circle that has biracial couples and was trying to see if I could get invited, if she should invite me into her friend circle. I'm Mm. a single mom. So nothing has ever happened outside of the playground area. Mm. And it's like, because I don't fit in. And, you know, to her credit, she didn't do anything to make me feel uncomfortable about it. But over time, I realized the implicit, like I was trying to see if I can bring you into my friend circle Mm. and single. So we could just be friends outside
0: the circle. It's interesting because I think people will rarely look white people will ask. I've gotten it from white people. I've never gotten it from a black person directly. Mm -hmm. It'll be usually in the conversation of like hair texture, right? That comes up a lot. But one thing that has bugged the crap out of me whenever it happens, and it typically happens at the nail salon, Mm -hmm. the people working there will ask me if I dyed my daughter's hair. Mm -hmm. And it's been happening since she was like really little. And I'm like, who dyes their kid's hair at two? Right. And it's almost like they're fishing to see what the other is. And these are people who don't even know that I'm an SMC. Right. So maybe Mm -hmm. they're expecting me to be like, oh yeah, her dad is, uh, you know, white or something. And I, and it's, it's obnoxious and also triggering because I remember being a kid and people getting in my face and asking if my eyes were real or, Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And what people also might not understand is that people will objectify your kids. Yeah. And you have to be careful as a parent to not play into that objectification as well. Mm-hmm. And I think this happens on both sides, right? It's it's obvious when it happens in the white community, because they'll be like, oh, you know, I'm, u- I'm choosing a black donor because I want my kids to tan well and, you know, have that nice curly hair. Mm-hmm. But on the black side, we see it, we see it manifest itself slightly different, but it mm-hmm. still happens. Mm-hmm. And I think that choosing a donor outside of your race, I'm. I don't tell people not to do it. I just think what's important is to really sit with why. Mm -hmm. And is it because it could be that you just don't find a black donor who fits other categories that you think are important? And that is legitimate, right? Because we all know that if you search on black donor and for women who have sickle cell trait or something like that, it's even harder because the 33 black donors that might be at Fairfax Cryobank now it's like two. And mm-hmm. those two black people may not look anything like you.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: so you you then have to question like okay, well how much do I really care? And maybe some of these other things are more important to you. But I do think that you have to sit with why you're making that decision because there will be a small child who one day asks you. And my kids have asked. They Yeah. My oldest was like we just had this conversation last week. And she was like when you chose the donor what were you looking for? Mm -hmm. And we had a very frank conversation about race. And I talked to her about how my identity as a biracial black person is very strong. And I also have had enough experiences where I did not look like my mother. Well, I should say, I look like my mother. I just look like a black version of my mother and Mm -hmm. people are racist, Mm -hmm. but (laughs) I had enough experiences as a kid with colorism that I wanted my kids to have a similar ethnic breakdown as, as as I did. And so I told her I was very intentional about that. Mm-hmm. And I was also intentional about understanding how self-hate might play into someone's donor choice. And mm-hmm. I wanted to be very careful about not choosing a race that is different because I wanted my kids to know that I love myself and I love I love who I am. I love my I love being black.
1: Yeah, so I will I will say, you know, there's coded language used in both white SNC spaces and black SNC spaces with regards to using a donor of a different race. So I just want to put that out there. So I know when I realized that I was not going to use a black donor, I had to sit with, do I use a white donor? Right. And so then, like in a lot of these, we live in a racialized society and you do have a lot of things that you sit with. So I had to sit with, could I use a white donor? And I was just like, I can't. Because living in America, for me, the experience as a black person, as a black woman with regards to white men, and the history of the the usage and abuse of Black women bodies. I could not do that because I don't think that I could authentically tell, teach my kids Black history without having to also break down, but your donor wasn't like that, right? I I, I, I just, I don't know how to deal with those disconnects in my my head and my spirit and my soul. And so I just knew that I could not do that in order for me, even with my white friends, there has to be a real deep connection for me to understand where you are coming from and where your people are coming from. So it does, it goes beyond you. How do you, mm-hmm. how have you navigated before you knew me? Because people will change and be like, I love black people and suddenly become respectful in your presence. Mm-hmm. But does does nothing different, fully lean into white supremacy when they're not around you. And so for me, I need to understand your authentic walk. And so I could not choose a white donor. And I had to think about if I did not choose a white donor when my child reached 18, because open ID, ID was important for me, who's this person my child is going to meet? Are they going to say, who's this black child? Right. So mm. when I thought about choosing a non white, non-black donor, I had to also ask myself the questions of what experience do I want my child ha- to have if by chance they got to reach out to the donor. You know, that's a good
0: point. And I think a lot of times women probably don't consider that because it's something that's just gonna, it's gonna be at least at 18, right? They gotta wait till they're 18. But I can I can imagine how deeply disappointing it would be, even though you don't consider this person a dad to meet your biological father, which Mm -hmm. is really what, what this person is biological Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and have that person reject you because they have race issues because really, I mean, how many banks are asking, like, are you racist? Would you mind if a black woman, nobody's asking that, right? Because they're not thinking about, they're not thinking about that. They're thinking about you know, <laughs> are you in school and mm-hmm. what were your SAT scores? Yeah. Not not who you are as a person. And there's many people who are not necessarily even consciously racist or overtly racist, but they still are racist. Right. Yeah. So let's shift gears a little bit and talk about the different considerations for white SMCs choosing black donors versus black SMCs choosing white donors. So, I think that this, I have butt heads with lots of people on this topic because they're like, how can you be biracial Black and tell white women they can't use Black sperm? Mm-hmm. And here it is. I will fully lean into the fact that my mother was definitely the primary parent growing up. She mm-hmm. was the one that was coming to my basketball games, dropping us off at school. Not to say that my dad was absent, he wasn't. It's just that he was not as involved as my mom. Mm-hmm. That all said, I cannot imagine having to navigate the times in my life when I experienced racism as both a child and an adult without having my father as a resource. Mm -hmm. Because as much as my mom is a woke white lady, Mm -hmm. she is never going to understand what it is like to move through the world as a Black person. Mm -hmm. Whereas my father, he, he understood in a way that she wouldn't. And, and not having that would have made me feel personally lost. And I don't think you can get that from a village in the same way that you can get that from a parent. Mm-hmm. And so my concern with a lot of white women choosing black donors is a lot of times they'll be like, oh, but like, I have black friends. And I'm here to tell you as a black friend to many white women, <laughs> I don't want to do that work with your kid hmm <laughs> it's not that oh I shouldn't say I don't want to it's just that it's it's not it's it's labor that is really is not is not the same and I didn't sign up for that right and I also think it's a detriment to that child to not have a person that they can access without feeling like they are putting a burden on someone
1: yeah, so I will say <laughs> this this topic triggers me a bit because whenever we have these conversations and we we try to approach it sensitively, you get the white Karen's that are like, oh, you're just you're just mad because I date black men or whatever. And it's just like, we're SMCs. Who we yeah,
0: I don't care who that, you that date. SMC. Go ahead and date Jamal. <laughs> My right. thing is, my,
1: my thing is, is that I already told you all that I'm a thinking SMC. When I broached this path, I thought about what I could do, what my own personal limitations were going to be. And I need, I desperately need white women to do the same,
0: mm-hmm. right?
1: Think about, you know, don't center yourself like, oh, I date black men. Oh my gosh. So now it's about you and not about how you're going to raise this kid. Well, right? Anna, and are
0: you going to someday try to pass off this child with a future black partner. Like, is that why you are choosing a black donor? Because
1: you,
0: I I don't know. I'm not even
1: getting into that part. You know, I'm trying to get to the part where as parents, we, we do have a role in indoctrinating our kids into our culture, the culture, their culture. And can you adequately do that without leaning on, you know, to, to a large extent, others to do that. So if you're going to be leaning on the black community to do that work when you haven't even come to a racial reckoning on your own, mm-hmm. that's not going to happen. You're causing harm to your kid and you're also causing harm to that friendship that you once had with that black woman because you are going to say something that's harmful. You are going to make some assumptions that she should be there to usher your kid into adulthood as a black, you know, person and that is that is a lot to ask and if you can't do that on your own if you can't get out of your own way if you can't start to do the racial work on yourself how can you how can you even usher a child so for me i think about it on the bigger scale in the terms of the responsibility of the parent cuz most white people will be like oh you're beautiful oh yep. i love you mm-hmm. the world will love you you're great you're fabulous And Mm -hmm. then you put up blocks for that child coming to you with any type of racial trauma, even Mm -hmm. the trauma you inflict on them. And then you're Mm -hmm. rolling out people who end up in our space saying, how do I enter black spaces? Because we do have a good percentage of black, white, biracial women in our Mm -hmm. space. That's just like, how do I, how do I join black spaces? It's just like, you don't need permission. Wherever Mm -hmm. you are is a black space, but we have to, again, do the work of we're no longer mammies. I'm not a wet nurse. I don't have to nurse your kid. I don't have to Mm -hmm. educate your kid, right? Out of respect for choosing a black donor, do your homework.
0: Yeah. So we saw the other day, both of us watched this. I think it was a, I don't know, it was a TikTok or a YouTube or something like that with there was a little biracial girl and it was just, it was such a train wreck. So like the black dad was on the couch, presumably, you know, he's sitting next to the little girl and the little girl was trying to explain to her mom how she felt about being biracial. And mm-hmm. what she was trying to say was basically like, I'm worried that I won't be accepted mm-hmm. because of, because of the fact that I'm black and white. And this Karen of a mom was like, you're beautiful. You tell them to like that, that that you're great, and that they're they're wrong and ignorant, and this and that and the third. And it it to me felt like the white mom was all of a sudden, instead of focusing on what her daughter was saying and her daughter's feelings and her daughter experience, she was centering herself and she was like defending her relationship choices. And mm-hmm. the thing that was so tragic about this video is that, you know, Mr. Black Dad, who was sitting right next to the kid, did nothing to jump up and be like, Karen, yo, <laughs> listen to your kid. Mm-hmm. And the kid's face in the video was also tragic because her mom wasn't trying to listen to her and understand her experience. And I think the the response that Karen, oh, we're just going to call her Karen. I'm sorry for all the Karens out there. I know that this must be horrible when people <laughs> say this about your name, Karen, <laughs> Becky, whatever. She should have just taken a beat and tried to listen to her child. But I think the problem is that she was literally incapable of understanding how the kid must've felt and also unwilling to listen because she thought it was BS. Uncapable, incapable of decentering herself because that's what,
1: in so many white spaces you hear, it's just like, you were so used to being the center of attention You cannot Mm -hmm. see the forest for the trees. You cannot, even, even for your own kids. And that, that is my Mm -hmm. fear, right? The black, the black dad, whatever. I think a a lot of black men are running from their own black trauma. And so to have these conversations, because to be perfectly honest, that conversation should have been had that should have been being had from the time that Mm -hmm. child was born to ground them in something right. And to Mm -hmm. not leave it to the whims of the world, but, when you come from a privileged space where you think that the world is always going to be there to catch you, you don't think to proactively create a safety net because the world historically has caught you. Yeah. Right. And so anyway, I, I just say my, my, my caution is to, to do your homework, make sure that you understand where you lie with regards to race, race relations in America, and that you, you've you done your due diligence to understand the history both the told and the untold because white supremacy is telling stories without even fully realizing that you're telling from a solely white lens.
0: Yeah, all right. Well, Mocha SMCs, really at the end of the day, my ask for people when they're choosing a sperm donor, particularly somebody outside of your race, is really just to be very thoughtful and even if you don't give an F about what adults will have to say, just, just consider what you will tell that child when they come talk to you and make sure that you have had that conversation with yourself and sat with it because it's going to be real awkward when they ask and you're like, well, see what happened was the right answer can never be. We wanted your hair to look pretty or, uh, you to look, we
1: wanted you to tan."
0: Wanted it, you to tan, tan in the summer, uh, and and that. So yeah, just really sit with it and sit with the fact that you are not going to have a co-parent of that other color, and and make sure you know what you're going to do and how you're going to navigate that. All right, ladies, thanks for joining us again for another fabulous conversation. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at SMC. Bye now.
1: Well, pod. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. If you like what you heard, share us with your girlfriends. We'd love to hear your thoughts.
0: So tell us what you thought of this episode on social media. On Facebook, we are at Mocha SMC Podcast. And on Twitter and Instagram, we are at Mocha SMC. You can find
1: additional information on the topics from the podcast at our website at mochasmc.com. Till next time, pod. Bye now.